When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. You are listening to The Court Report with Princeton women's basketball head coach Courtney Banghart. Welcome to The Court Report. I'm Jerry Price, and I'm joined by Princeton women's basketball coach Courtney Banghart. And Coach, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. 2018. Do you remember, you might be a little young for this, but when I was a kid, the big thing was that in the year 2000, it just seemed like it was so far in the future, and everybody was, like, all worried about, like, you know, First, there was the the whole just, like, there were going to be flying cars and things like that. But then, like, once you got a little closer, it was the whole Y2K thing. Like, do you, do you remember any of that stuff? I do. Of course. I was a graduate from college in 2000. And I was thinking, this is no, not very exciting. You graduate from college and you enter the world of the abyss. It's not great. Well, everybody was, everybody when I was a kid would be, like, all focused on how old they were going to be in the year 2000. It just seems so futuristic. <laughs> and now it's 2018 already. You know, for me, we recruit so far in advance here that just, in general, your eyes are on people nice and early that... 2018 feels a little bit behind, actually. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mix. It's hard to believe 18 years since the year 2000. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it just, it was, it was when I was a kid, like, the big thing was, oh, we're going to be so old in the year 2000. Yeah. Now it's like 18 years later. I don't feel old, but did you have a good New Year's? Um, trying to think. Yeah, I did. I had a good New Year's a couple of days ago. The kids were off on New Year's Eve. They were not off New Year's Day, so. So let's go back to the last game of uh, 2017, and we're going to talk about the first game of 2018, which Great. is the game against Penn Saturday at the Palestra, which I believe is a 1 o'clock start. 
Uh, and it's not a doubleheader with the men. The men play Friday night. That yeah. game is at 7 o'clock. Um, I assume that was done for television. I'm guessing, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but let's go back to the last game of 2017. That was the 77-40 win over UMBC, yeah. which was, you know, let's be charitable. UMBC is is not a good team. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they sort of regrouped and played much harder in the second half, but the game was long over by then. Did you get things out of that that you were hoping to get? Yeah. You know, I thought we uh, – there are very few games on our schedule based on our difficult schedule that we on paper were automatically better than technically. And um, this was one of those teams that we thought on paper we had a real advantage right from the start. And um, we hadn't always fared well. We had won those games earlier in the season, but um, we didn't – we weren't able to set the tempo and assert our will – um, from the start, and I thought we did a much better job of that. And then they played a lot of zone, which we know Penn will play a good portion of zone as well. Um, so we got to get reps at things we're trying to get better at. So going back to the UMBC game, Carly Littlefield didn't miss from the field. Yeah. Uh, six for six, ended up with 15 points. Uh, Bella Allery had, I think, 11 or 13. can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. she was the only other one in double figures. But I think it was 11 players, uh, 12 players played, 11 players scored. Yeah. 11 players played double figures in minutes. Nobody played more than 22. Yeah. Uh, it, when you're coaching a game like that, and it was, it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was a 30-point game in the second quarter. Right. Are you thinking to yourself, at what point are you thinking to yourself, all right, let me just get everybody in, or like, are yep. you trying to work on stuff? How's, like, what's going through your mind at that point? Yeah, that particular game, what was going through was that our schedule's been such a challenge this year that we haven't been able to develop our depth as much as we have in the past um, because you're winning possession games or, or close games. Um, in the fourth quarter, and you kind of need to rely on your experience and, and rely on your, your best guys. And so um, for me, I was like, this is a great opportunity for us to get some of these these kids that I, we, I think are really going to help us, necessary game minutes and necessary important game minutes. Um, so it couldn't come at a better time getting into the new year. I, I, I always wondered this about coaches. So like, you're, at the, you're in the last two minutes of a game where you're either up or down by, say, 12, 15, that range. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even 15, but like you know, it's a 10, 12-point game. The odds that the team that's down is going to come back to win are, like, minimal. But at what point are you comfortable saying, all right, I'm going to put my subs in? Or is it also, is it, like, I've, I've always heard, often heard coaches say that the team that's behind has to sort of surrender first and take all their people out before I'm going to take my oh, people out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're going with that. Um, you know, I think I, I kind of subscribe to the fact that it's Division One basketball and, and, and there are no charity and, and there's no sort of, um, boy, I hope I get my, we're up by 30, it's my turn. Um, and so depending on the game, I, you know, to put, just to clear the bench just for the purpose of getting people time, that's not meaningful time in my opinion. I, I, meaningful time is if you can get them time in the second and third quarter when they have to sustain and try to build on both ends. So um, luckily that's not something I actually think much about. I think I do think a lot about I don't take the last shot if we're winning um, and it's under the shot clock, which uh, we've been really consistent about here. But that's pretty much it. So 2017 portion of your schedule ends at 10 and three. Yeah, it's awesome. You would. What were you thinking when the year started? 10 wins out of 13 was doable or not doable? Mm, gosh, with so many young guys contributing, I wasn't quite sure what was doable. But if you had told me we'd be 10 and three, I'd be thrilled. Um, I, you know, I, I knew that we'd have a lot of young guys playing. I knew that um, the schedule is was packed, and I that and by design because I wanted to get um, this team need, needed to be sharpened quickly because we don't have two years. You know, we've got three months. Um, and so I, I love the schedule and I love even more that we came out of it looking so good. So you guys are done now with your non-league schedule before you've played a league game, which I don't think most, maybe most teams do. I don't know. I haven't really paid that close attention, but mm-hmm. so what that, what that will do though, is clearly make two segments of your season. You have the non-league season and the yeah. league season. And yep. obviously your goals are all going to be attained through the league season. Although that wasn't the case 
uh, two years ago when you got the at-large bid. Yeah. Um, but you know the goals of winning a championship and getting an automatic bid to the to the, uh, to the NCAA tournament, those are all done through the league itself. But there's also, I would think that you know, I don't want to say less pressure because like the the league isn't in play in the non-league schedule. But there's a certain element of that where you're not always playing Friday night, Saturday night, and you're not playing the same teams you play all the time. Mm-hmm. You're traveling to places that you may otherwise yep. not go to. And yeah. I mean, I think there's a little more fun, possibly, is mm-hmm. the word or something, yeah. to the non-league part. There's lack of, fr- yeah, there's such familiarity with your conference games. You know, you just, you, the coaches, uh, you know the coaches, you know the players, you've recruited uh, against them or with them, and so there's just this familiarity that can be really healthy and really fun, and it also can get sort of draining of, like, the same old thing, you know, especially over a six- or seven-week period, you're playing the same playing um, everyone twice um, so yeah the non-conference also allows us to play that many postseason teams I mean there were eight that played in the postseason last year so you get a very high concentration if you so choose which we have um, to really go out and schedule and the records I get asked a lot kind of where the league is and it's hard to say because people have played different they've had different scheduling opportunities and they've had different scheduling goals um, and so you can't look at numbers right now um, you can just kind of focus on yourself and know that our 10 and 3 record I feel really good about so with that, now you turn the page, mm-hmm. and it's, it's uh, Saturday afternoon against Penn in the, plus, in the Palestra. And to me, if you look at the entire history of Ivy League athletics, there are certain rivalries that have stood out among any others. And I, I think if you asked anybody off the street, maybe they would say Harvard-Yale football. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I've always looked at Harvard-Yale football like the people who care about Harvard-Yale football are Harvard people and Yale people, and I don't think it really extends much beyond that. Mm. No offense to Harvard and Yale. Right. But Penn-Princeton basketball, I think, has always had more of a national appeal, and I think it was built on the fact that for decades the men from Princeton or the men from Penn were the the ones in the the NCAA tournament and did a lot of things in the postseason in the 60s and the 70s and up and, you know, Mm -hmm. through, you know, everybody knows the history of it. Now what's happened is... Harvard and Yale have gotten better at men's basketball. Penn struggled a bit. Princeton struggled for a while, but now is back. Uh, and I don't think it's just the Penn-Princeton rivalry in men's basketball anymore. I think those four schools, definitely Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Penn trying to get back to that. The other four maybe chasing them a little bit. But I think that it, that has taken away a little bit from the Penn-Princeton rivalry, the fact that Harvard got good and Yale got good. On the women's side now, Har- uh, Princeton-Penn women's basketball sort of has become what Princeton-Penn men's basketball mm-hmm. was, where you know for the last four years – you guys have finished one two, mm-hmm. and you know those have been epic games. Yeah, they've been uh, fun. You know, and it's uh, you've really developed into into you know this this incredible rivalry over the last few years. And just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, to be able to to, to have that team on your schedule that um, that you know by the end they're going to have had a good year, and so will you. Um, now with the tournament, there's probably less riding on each individual game, but there's, however, there's a, there, you know, they're going to be good and you know, we're going to be good. And so you play a really good team and, and they got to play a really good team and you get to do it first. So that, that always for me is fun because every game is equals the same. You don't want to go out and beat Penn and then go lose to Cornell, right? They're, they're, a win is a win and a loss is a loss, but it starts the season and, and it's kind of fun to, 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 do, to do it against a team that you know is going to be good late. So if you look at the Ivy League standings right now nobody's played a game so everybody's zero and zero but brown is 11 and one yeah got a vote in the top 25 poll sure did um what are you looking at you know what do you i don't know Penn was Penn is six and four yep but they were two and four so they won four in a row and like yep. your team yeah i haven't looked at anything other than their scores but their defensive numbers seem to be better since yeah. they started winning yep um are you, do you look at the league in its totality, or do you just say, all right, our first game is Penn? And I've seen everybody in the league play, so I've done that. I've done that homework just to get a general eye on, on, on what's out there. Um, and, 
you know, I think Penn's got young guys that are contributing, and we have young guys that are contributing, probably more so than some of the other teams. Um, so, like, ironically, those are some of the newer the newer talent is in those two schools. But, um, you know, uh, we don't play Brown until February. Um, so I'm not going to think too much about, about them until we get into the get past the first three here. We're done. We'll be finished up by mid-January, and then I've got two and a half weeks to, or three full weeks to, to focus on the rest of the league. But I've seen everybody play. Um, but, no, I'm going to sort of focus on Princeton still. So what does that do for you when you – you know, we talked about the, the non-league schedule, not the league schedule, but your league schedule is, is definitely uh, broken up into the before exam break and the post-exam yeah. break. You, you can't take momentum out of exam break. Like, you can't. Yeah. With, if you're 3-0 and with three 30-point wins, you're not going to have any momentum when exams are over. No doubt. In much the same way that if you struggle coming out of the gate in the league season, you're, you know, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to, you're not, you're not yeah. going to get into that kind of a hole. Like, your, your mentality is, so this is basically a three-game, totally. eight-day. <laughs> exactly. It's a three-day, it's own individual. We have, like, three, now we have four seasons. You have the non-conference. And the tournament. You have the, Yeah. Uh, maybe it's five then. You have the non-conference, then you have these three games, then you have the Ivy League, then you have the tournament, and then you hope to have the postseason. So, um, but yeah, we're not we're we're going to focus on these three as separate entities for sure. So we did get a we got an email, okay, um, asking some questions about scheduling for your non-league. Oh wow, okay. And, uh, it, it, the email says, "My question for Coach Bankhart may be too late, given we're starting the Ivy season." But in her last uh, court report, she <clears throat> mentioned that uh, they won't play us, and so we play each other, meaning mid majors. And it's a multi-part question of who won't play us yep. and why. Yeah. And I don't think it's mostly specific teams. Right. This team won't play us, but like who won't play us? I assume is Power Five conference teams yeah, who don't want to go on the road. Yeah, I think the challenge is is that you know we are a. I think our RPI is always going to be good enough that we're a good game to schedule, right? But the 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 outside of the Princeton bubble, they look at it like, hey, it's a non-scholarship, um, it's a mid-major team, and there's a very good chance they're going to beat us. And so we'd rather schedule a different non-conference, mid-major, who more than likely we are going to win that game um, and not thinking about it as much RPI because the high majors have enough high RPI games in their actual conference season. So I think it's just, it, it, we pose a great risk. It's a good problem to have. We pose a great risk to, to most teams when they can go schedule, you know, someone else who's, you know, 20 minutes, uh, you know, 20 minutes away. They can play Drexel, who's also very good, or Delaware, but they've got a better chance probably to beat them. Um, so if you could... Yeah. This is a three-part question. Oh, right? I'm ready. The second is, if you had the wish list like, mm-hmm. and you could bring anybody here that you wanted to, mm-hmm. who would it be? I'd love to play Duke, home and home. I'd love to play Penn State, home and home. I'd love to play, which I, we actually are adding next year. Um, I'd love to play Stanford. Penn State? Penn State, yeah. I'd love to play Stanford, home and home. I'd love to play Northwestern, home and home. Um, and then the regional powers of the of the Seton Halls and the and the Rutgers is and kind of the state challenges. But I think the like minded schools of the Dukes and Northwesterns and Stanfords to get those type of schedule games on our schedule, uh, home and home. Every you know, so we play them once at home and then the following year on the road um, would be would be really great. And then the last part of that question was, do you think it's hopeless that schools like that would ever want to no schedule? No, we'll what, be able to what get factors may drive that if they have recruits in this area. So if, if, if a great player from New, New Jersey goes to Duke, they'll want to bring him home. So we, we, we very episodically, we'll get, we might get that. Um, we were able to get Georgetown here. I mean, sorry, uh, Georgia Tech here for that reason, for example. Uh, we were able to get Michigan here for that reason a few years ago. Um, but you take Michigan. You know, we did a home-and-home. Home. We beat them both, both years by 30. There's not a lot of Big Ten teams that are now dying to play us. We really tried to get Gabrielle Rush home, play Northwestern. They don't have interest in that. So typically what happens, Jerry, is if they don't return the game, so if Northwestern would take us, 
they would basically give us a sum of money that might get close to what it costs for us to travel there, but they won't return it. Or there's no money exchanging hands, and you play both one year at home, one year on the road. So um, I think the, the, these, these great basketball schools that are also high academic, it would be fun to get a group of them on our schedule. So looking ahead to the game on uh, the game at the Palestra on Saturday, which yeah. is 1 o'clock tip, uh, and you mentioned Georgia Tech. Both Princeton and Penn played Georgia Tech to basically the same score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think it was 69-55 and 67-56. So, mm-hmm. um, and St. Com- Joe's, too. St. Joe's, we both played. And Lafayette. Oh, yeah, and Lafayette. Yeah, you're right. Do you take anything out of that, or none of that matters? Uh, you know, they're... We, we guys were so familiar with Penn, and they're so familiar with us that that kind of change. That there, there's an element in the game plan that is hard to put to words because there's the familiarity, and your players have familiarity, so they're looking at people they know, um, and that's got a d- different edge to it. So, um, you know, I think Penn is you you, you don't want to you don't want to overstate or understate that it's just a, it's just one game, and it's hard to impart that on your young team that it's just one game, and and they might play great, they might play bad, and it doesn't mean that they're good or bad. They're they're Penn, we're Princeton, and, and we're going to be in it at the end and be fun to start off on a winning note. You played in the when you were at Dartmouth. Harvard Dartmouth was the big rivalry in yeah. Ivy League women's basketball. Is there is this different? Is this similar to that? Yeah, I think it's very similar. They're two of the closer travel schools. Pairs. Exactly. They're travel pairs and they're again they're both going to be good regardless of how this one game goes. Um you know, so I still actually have the the Harvard rivalry as something that's special to me because I've I've lived it. You know, for four years as a player and four years as a coach. Um, whereas Penn was wasn't good back then, so I just didn't pay much attention to them. Um, and now, it, so it's just good for women's basketball to have a, a rivalry like this that you said, as you said, it transcends just the fans of the particular institutions. I mean, there are uh, there will be a lot of people that will be either be tuning in or or there um, from that have no affiliation to either institution, and it's it's just the Penn Princeton rivalry is something that people get excited about, and I'm honored to be a part of it. I mean, in recent years, Penn's had some success against uh, Princeton, but do you take a step back and think, like, those are some of the best games that I've seen in Ivy League women's basketball. I mean, yeah. they've just been so, the intensity level alone. Yeah, and two just really good, just two good teams. I mean, obviously Penn had a, tw- I think it was like an 18-point lead in the in the fourth quarter against Texas A&M in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Didn't end up winning it, but they almost won a tournament game, and we won a tournament game two years ago. I mean, these are just really good teams and really good programs, and that's what you want is you want to put your best on display. And um, I hope the league continues to celebrate the, the fact that we're doing that. Well, it's, if the last, well, if last year is any indication and if the years before that there had been a tournament, in all likelihood, this would be the first of three meetings right. between Princeton exactly. and Penn. But exactly. there's no guarantee of that. But at least right. it's the first meeting between Princeton and Penn. So of the course. men's game is Friday night at 7 o'clock at the Palestra. The women's game is Saturday at 1 at the Palestra. And then... In February, they're not. It's not a doubleheader either. One is February sixth. One is February thirteenth. Both on Tuesdays at night. Yeah. Do not remember who's first. They are first, and they, we, we do that based on you want it to be. You, you know, you we have home and away balance, and so you don't want to go away a weekend, play again, and then go away again. So um, it's not that we didn't. We would love for the game to be a doubleheader. I think all four teams would love for it to be a doubleheader, but you have to do what was right for your your, your particular student athletes. This has been the Court Report. Jerry Price with Princeton Women's Basketball Head Coach Courtney Bankhart. Thank you, everybody, again for listening, as always. And Happy New Year to all the fans of Princeton Women's Basketball. And, Coach, thanks for being here. Go Tigers. And it's Penn Princeton. It's Saturday at 1 at the Plaster. We'll be back next week to talk about that game. Look ahead to the Cornell-Columbia weekend. And uh, we, will, we will see you then. Again, if you have any uh, questions that you want to have us ask the coach, you can email them to me at jprice at princeton.edu. And we look forward to hearing from everybody. And once again, thanks for being with us. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. 
Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.